and welcome to the Psychic Stories podcast, encouraging conversations about mental health. Today I'm speaking to Justin Tang. Justin is the host of the Get Stung podcast. Get Stung is Justin's mantra, a way of life that is inspired by getting up every single day to challenge your mind, body and soul and to maximise your mental and physical performance. Justin, hello. Hi, how you doing, Matt? Good. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having having me on. Really excited to share my uh, story with you and your audience. Well, we we are very very happy to have you. And just for you know, just for those who are actually um, who, who who might be looking at uh, looking at the videos, Justin is in his attic in uh, <laughs> in uh, just outside in New England near Boston. Yep, right in Boston, Massachusetts. In Boston, Massachusetts, I am in my car outside my flat. It turns out that uh, a, a a daughter uh, who is sleeping uh, is not conducive to podcasting. Uh, I've been uh, my <laughs> wife has has jovially but maybe semi seriously threatened me with death in, uh, if I if I wake her up. Uh, so I've parked <laughs> the car next to the wall that faces the Wi-Fi. So um, um, I hope and no one minds, but you have the glorious of my childproof car. Justin, today's goal is to have an open and honest conversation about your mental health journey, to get some insight into the tools and techniques that have helped you and are available and accessible to other people. And by discussing your journey, we hope to share and normalize conversations about mental health as often people are not alone in these, in these experiences. Does that sound good? Sounds awesome, yeah. Awesome. Justin, take it away. We'd love to hear about your mental health journey. Yeah, so I'll definitely get right into the get stung in the mantra, but I think it would be good to just have some history about myself and mm. kind of some of the suffering and struggles that I deal with yeah. every day and how Definitely. it kind of all came about. Mm. Um, so we can start back into, I would say, March 2019. And this is the year I'm 35 years old. So just kind of give you a reference point. Um, so when I turned 34 years old in March, I was out at a pub having drinks and I've dealt with my entire life substance abuse problems. And I remember I was out on my birthday with some really close friends and had been drinking quite a bit. <laughs> and I remember the, the words that came out of my mouth. They were, I'm depressed. I'm depressed. And I said this multiple times to my friends and and I didn't really realize at the time like what I was saying because I had never said it but it just came out and I had previous to that night or that day I had been having some you know troubles with my relationships with my wife um you know at work you know struggling there with my career just it seemed like everything in my life was just not going in the right direction um you know I have a beautiful wife two beautiful kids so you know, that's great. But for myself, I wasn't ever taking care of myself. So mm -hmm. I said those words to myself in March of 2019. And I've said this in previous podcasts in my episode, it's, that's the number one thing you have to do when you're when you, to, to, to get help is to accept that you need help. Yeah. And to accept that you have mental health issues. Because I'm pretty sure I've been suffering from mental health for nearly 30 years mm. and I didn't come to terms with it until I turned 34. Mm. Which is a long time. Um, and, 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 and when you said that to yourself, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. How did that feel? It was confusing because, you know, it just kind of came out. It just came out. And 
my friends heard it. People in the people in the pub heard it and it kind of made them feel uneasy. And it made my friends kind of like, be like, are you okay? And I remember I woke up the next day and we had been drinking the whole day. So the next day was a Monday. I couldn't move the entire day. I was hungover, so depressed, called out of work and I just couldn't move. I couldn't even watch my kids for the day. And that's when I realized what I had said. My friends had sent me some messages asking if I was okay. And at that moment, I was like, man, I I can't, I can't continue to, to live like this. This is not good. Like I need to, to get help. So I decided to, to get help. And I had reached out to, um, a local mental health organization here, here in in the Boston area. And I got put on a three to four month waiting list. So here in the U S you know, there's a heavy demand for, for mental health. And we just don't have the supply of therapists and we just, it's it's a system issue. Um, So there's there's a big gap in the treatment. There, there really is. There really is. And that's one thing I talk a lot about with my current therapist is just, you know, how, how can we make the mental health industry better and more supportive Mm. of someone who is opening up and wants to get help? Mm. So I, I got put on a three to four month waiting list. And And that's not good. That's not good for your mental health, right? Not at all. Not at all. And I had, in the meantime, I had called around to other mental health places. They had waiting lists. Um, few people didn't call me back. So I was very discouraged. And I remember I had called into the original place I'd put been put on the waiting list, you know, asking for, I was calling almost weekly, like, Hey, you know, when, 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 when am I up? When am I up? When am I up? And they kept on pushing me to like a suicide prevention line number. Hmm. And that is very overwhelming when, you know, they're pushing you to a suicide prevention line in like an intake mental health, you know, and, and at that time, I'm like, suicide was never really an option for me. Mm. Um, but I, it, that kind of made me start thinking like, am I that depressed where I, I need to, you know, you know, suicide, what this could lead to. So that was really scary, actually. And, yeah, and it's interesting. You can imagine that in a situation where maybe if you were having suicidal thoughts or a person who, 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 who was regularly having those thoughts, that being put in a waiting list to a unknown therapy appointment, which may or may not work, and then being pushed towards a suicide prevention line, you can see how that could exacerbate the issue. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it kind of made me angry to, to be honest with you. Yeah. I was getting mad at the whole system in the mental health industry. And so, so I ended up just not calling the suicide prevention or anything like that. I just waited and waited and kept calling weekly. And then finally, you know, this was when I originally got on the waiting list, it's March, 2019. This is probably July or August. So three, you know, about four months later, I get a call from my therapist. She isn't any longer my therapist, but I have a new one recently. We can talk about that. Um, but in case she reached out to me, had me come in about a week later to do my initial mental health assessment with her in kind of the intake process for seeing her weekly. And I remember when I went in there, they handed me a questionnaire and asked you a lot of different types of questions. Like how often are you depressed? You know, 
somewhat, you know, a bunch of multiple que- multiple yeah. choice questions about your mental health. And then you go in and talk with her some more. And at that point, I just opened up and just spilled everything out to her. Um, it was a defining moment in my mental health journey yeah. was getting into that seat because it was so hard to actually get there. Yeah, which it shouldn't be, should it? It really shouldn't. Like you should. I mean, in my view, this is why why our organisation, our charity, Psychic, exists. Is that we believe that mental health support should be accessible twenty four hours a day, whenever you need it. So, in your instance, when you were on that on that couch the day after, or even when you had admitted drunk that you were depressed, you should have had access to support then. Okay, granted, it would have been maybe better when you were sober the next day yeah but on that day you should have been able to get access to at least some form of therapeutic support even that even something that would allow you just you know to to kind of bear and cope with that waiting time and to kind of maybe help you and start you on your journey no i 100 agree with that and and to you know, continue with what I was saying about sitting down with mental health therapists. Mm. So we did that. So we did that questionnaire, and we sat down and t- chatted for probably half an hour. Like I said, I, I really laid everything out for her, and and then she had diagnosed me. So I was diagnosed with. Uh, she had diagnosed me with bipolar too, mm. and I was just a little confused by that because it's like you don't even know me you know, you hear some of my stories, you, you have a questionnaire, but then just to say I'm bipolar and it, the, in the way it was delivered with no empathy behind it, yeah. I was like, and, and no, not really explaining what the, you know, what that illness is. Yeah. And my mother has bipolar and she has bipolar one. So she experiences like mania and, mm-hmm. you know, goes through a lot of challenges and suffering through her own. Mm-hmm. In, in my symptoms are a bit different, which I can talk about. Um, but, you know, so I was being introduced to this diagnosis for myself yeah. and it wasn't fully explained or delivered with empathy. It was more like you have bipolar too. Do you want to go see a psychiatrist to, you know, get on medication? Yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, my ego is in the way of all of this too. Like I, part of the whole mental health journey and getting help and accepting who you are is your ego. You have to, you have to let go of your ego. So my ego is still heavily involved in this. I'm like, I'm not bipolar too, but I felt so bad in that moment that I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do medicine. Like I'll go see anyone you're recommending. Mm. I don't know anything better. I just want to feel better. So, which is, which is, you know, and frankly, it's a very brave thing to do isn't it? I, yeah. I know perhaps for you, it was a very obvious thing to do, but I think, you know, there's a lot of stigma around, you know, a mental health still, you know, and, and I think, you know, and I, you know, I can talk from, from, from a guy's perspective and, you know, from yourself as a guy, it, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I find it hard to admit when things are going wrong. I still do. And, you know, I talk about mental health stuff on a day-to-day basis. And I think from your perspective as well, like, you know, to, you know, to take that step is very, very brave, really brave um at the time for you it might have been the most obvious thing to do um but i just wanted to say that is that that was really brave yeah and and to go on your point there i mean there's a huge stigma around men getting help for for mental health we're you know from a a male perspective like we have this ego that we have to be strong tough and especially when you have 
kids looking up to you. Like you, you have to be strong all the time and it's not okay to like put your shield down and cry or talk about your feelings, talk about your emotions, you know, be curious about why you feel and why you have to do certain things Mm. just because you are a male. Mm. And those stigmas are heavy in mental health and in, in getting help. Um, and it, it's interesting so yeah, you say so, that. It's interesting you say that. Sorry to interrupt, but with in terms of a, a, a father and and child context as well, you know, we're we're led to believe that actually not showing our feelings, you know, and to our children as well is is that's going to help them. But research shows that that just isn't the case. Like if we want to help them you know, not to be stigmatized with mental health and being able to kind of open up and validate their feelings and process their feelings better than we do, then we've got to open up and we've got to be vulnerable. Like it's almost, it's counterintuitive in our minds, but actually by us being vulnerable, they become more resilient, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and that's a whole part of the get stung mantra is Mm. empowering people to be okay with not being okay. Yeah. And also being okay with asking for help, especially yeah. for men, because yeah, yeah. all those stigmas and, um, and I can be the voice. Mm. I'm okay with that for people who do not want to go as public about their mental health, yeah. but can talk, will open up and talk to close people around yeah. them yeah. and have those uncomfortable conversations yeah. to get the help and support that they need. Yeah. Um, completely agree with you there completely agree with you just something i wanted to ask was around you you mentioned that this happened when you were you say you're 35 now it's happened when you're 34 and you said that you realized that you know over the last 34 years you're probably suffering from 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 mental ill health like you know i i, I if you don't mind me asking what what yeah. you know what, what what was that progress you know from 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 you as a kid through to college through you know school college work what 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 what, what events did happen um that did kind of take you on that journey and and to that realization that you that you weren't okay at 34 yeah so i i grew up in a pretty broken family so my 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 father was estranged for for much of my childhood and we have a great relationship now um now that we're we're older but uh, you know he had divorced my mom when i was one and he wasn't around too much and then i have a brother who is my half brother and um who it's a um it's my mom's son so it's on my mom's side and we grew up together so we're like you know thick and thin brothers but we we have different fathers and he doesn't know his father um at all and my mom has a father that she doesn't know. Mm. So we we grew up with a single mom. And with that, not having a male role model in your early stages of your life where you need that nurturing from a male figure, like I didn't have that. And as I got older, when I was eight, my mom did marry um, another guy. So he became my stepfather and, you know, being a stepfather is hard now that I'm a father, like yeah. back then I wouldn't think stepfather is hard, but now like coming in and, yeah. and the guy took, you know, took in my brother, myself and my mom mm. who were struggling, you know, on yeah. welfare, being very poor. Um, you know, my mom was working two jobs and took us into his house and, and, and they were actually together. And so he was, there for me pretty much my entire entire childhood um 
So I, I can't respect and love that guy, you know, almost like a father and they ended up in in my twenties. So they ended up getting divorced. My mom and him, there was a huge traumatic event that happened. My, my mom uh, gotten, and I talk about this in my, one of my episodes and episodes Mm -hmm. two, um, she went to uh, prison when I was in my early twenties for five years for, for drugs and a um, whole bunch of other things. And that was a very traumatic experience. That's when her and my stepfather got divorced. And that I just so started, hard for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and, and, the, and we lost everything, our house, our cars, our money. Mm. Um, and I'm in college at this time. I'm 22, 23 years old. And instead of like, you know, coping with it with the right things, I turned to substances and doing a lot of drinking, uh, you know, cocaine, mm. pretty much prescription medicine. I'm not sure if, you know, uh, you know, England has the same problems with uh, prescription medication, but over here it's, it's, uh, it's a big crisis. issue. It's a big issue. It's a crisis. And it's, yeah. And it's some, yeah. It's something which, which, which we don't have over here. And I'm particularly referring to the opioid, the opioid, opioid, opioid crisis. Yep. I've, yep. I've watched a couple of documentaries on it and it just seems pervasive across, you know, across the U S and, and you know, like you said, like from, 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 from your experience, you're someone who has been caught up in that crisis. And, and I can only imagine that was a really, really hard time for you. Really hard. Yes. Yeah. It was really hard. And in the moment, like you, you don't think it's hard. You're just in it. Like you're addicted to these substances. And mm-hmm. um, meanwhile, my mom is going right to prison for almost the same thing. And here I am doing this, <laughs> doing those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the way I coped with it. I just, I didn't really have anyone around me to point me in the right direction or mentors yeah. or, you know, guidance. And that's how I dealt with things. And, the, you know, I also surrounded myself in an environment where the people around me were doing the same thing. So that's, yeah, uh, you get caught in the middle of it. And thankfully my, my wife, and I'd mentioned, you know, we met in college, she kind of drew me out of that. And you know, we moved in together. This is in my mid twenties. Yeah. And that's kind of when I started kind of distancing myself away from certain environments that are not positive for me. And I, I mean, I still had my own problems. I still continued to drink, um, but got away from the harder substances. Yeah. And so, I mean, my mid my twenties, like I didn't know I was suffering from mental health, but now that I am getting healing right now, I, I look back and I'm, and I look into those years and I yeah. see the suffering and the hurt yeah. and I would never ever in my wildest dreams want to go back yeah. to those moments. And, and, and I mean, maybe for- I would like to, to change yeah. things, but like just, just saying and thinking about it, it, it hurts. But, for, and, and for those moments, because this is someone, this is something that I've, I've often thought about when people are involved in substance abuse, you know, addictions, there is, there seems to be, and the more conversations I have on this, on these podcast episodes is that underlying all of these addictions are, are negative psychologies and negative mental health. So it does, 
seem to me that if, for example, if you are, I think the opioid crisis is slightly different because it's highly addictive. But for example, like yeah. you said, those reliance on drugs, on drink, you know, more of the kind of what you would consider the kind of, you know, go down the local pub and, you know, you know, uh, have too much to drink, maybe get some, you know, have some, you know, you know, uh, lines of cocaine. Those, that is a symptom of underlying kind of mental ill health for a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, kind of policies out there which talk around about how to tackle this issue but fundamentally if you want to prevent it it's actually like in investing and supporting in people like yourself to not be there in the first place i assume yep. would help you better say if you were offered that line of coke you can go go no that's not for me yeah yeah in in i can't thank my wife enough for just mm. kind of pushing me to be a better person because yeah. without her you know, who knows where I'd be right now. Mm. And, and so and was that, that was, and was that a chance encounter? Because like you said, like your, your, your kind of peer group were kind of participating in the same activities. Like was, was that kind of, you know, that, was that romance a chance encounter or was it something that you think you actually looked for and said, do you know what, you know, I, I really like you, but at the same time, I like everything about you that I'm not. Yeah, I think the way our relationship started was she saw me in in that environment. And, you know, that that's when we had first started, you know, dating and kind of getting serious in a relationship. So when she saw the opportunity of me moving out of the space I was in and the environment I was in, she thought for our relationship to go further, like mm -hmm. this is going to have to be the next the next yeah. step. And um, and now you've progressed on to marriage and having kids. Can I? Because I'm just speaking from a, a very different experience. But I mean, from my my my, my parents are divorced. Um, yeah. I've had I've had um, uh, uh, my mum has had a step family. It's also you know who she was divorced for the second time. The same you know you know much similar to you. Does your view on how you want your family to be? Do you reflect back on your childhood? and say okay this is you know this is what i don't want this is what i do want and these are therefore the behaviors that i need to cultivate to be able to kind of secure this family unit yeah and it's been a very challenging my son is six he's turning my oldest son's six and turning seven uh this month actually and not having a real male fatherhood father role model mm. in my life growing up it really didn't give me the opportunity to learn. Yeah. This is my son here, actually. Here, here. <laughs> yeah, buddy, I'm doing a show, okay? Go downstairs. <laughs> Very nice yeah. to meet you. Right on cue yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, this is Lucas. He actually hey, is Lucas. in school right now. He's on break. All right, buddy. Hey, I'll be... All right. Um, yeah, so... Bye, it... bye. All right, bye, buddy. Um, so not having a male role model growing up. I didn't know how to be a father mm. and that's scary. And yeah. when my wife was pregnant with him, it, w it wasn't too concerning. I was like, Oh, great. I'm having a kid. And then when he was born, yeah. I was just so scared and I still probably mess up a lot. I'm so I'm learning from scratch. I am. I had mentioned my mom doesn't know her dad. My Graham had a horrible relationship with her father. So there's just generation after generation yeah. of not having a male role model. Mm. And so 
I'm changing the behavior. Like I'm yeah. you're breaking that cycle, this, aren't you? You're breaking that cycle. Yeah. In in so yes, like I am still learning and, and just anyone who comes from even if you've had a father, you know, a good mentor in your life, like you're still learning, but yeah. you have some foundational tools to work with. And and that was part of my problem. Um, you know, I just didn't have the foundational tools to to be to be a successful father because I when he was born and through his child much of his childhood, I still had a drinking problem, yeah. substance abuse problem. Mm. Um, I mean, flash forward to, you know, September, 2020, or sorry, August, 2020, that's when I decided to become sober. Um, I had a very challenging 2020 and I, just like many other people, um, I was laid off from my job in March in 2020. And that's when I started drinking almost every day, starting in the morning, sometimes still going to therapy and everything still on medication. But if you're taking medication and drinking, it's very counterintuitive. It's not going to work. Um, so my wife and I actually almost got separated and divorced this summer. And she pretty much made an ultimatum to me. It was you either quit drinking or you lose your family. And you would think that that answer would be easy. Yeah. But when you're addicted to something, that answer is not easy. Like mm. that alcohol, like it, it just takes over your mind. Mm. So it took me, you know, this was in July, 2020. It took me about two months to finally quit. And I had been living up with my grandmother and mom up in Vermont and she was down here in Boston. Um, so yeah, those were some some challenging, challenging months to finally become sober. And I've been sober for close to six months now. Well, I mean, um, firstly, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, thanks. Uh, and I know that takes a huge amount of willpower, willpower, but also to, to the fact that all of this is so fresh. And I know that 2020 has been a hard time for a lot of people. And I think throughout the world, like the this pandemic you know and i know you know it, the, the pandemic and the restrictions it brings brings a lot of other issues to the surface and yep. it seems like there's been a lot of kind of crux and pivotal moments in a lot of people's relationships some haven't made it through some have and i'm so pleased to hear that like you said you you took that ultimatum you took it seriously and you're like no i'm gonna i'm gonna do this and and i i my assumption is is that staying sober is hard St staying sober is hard for someone who is dependent yeah, it's, it's extremely hard. I mean, it, sometimes if you, you just see a commercial on TV for alcohol, it, it gets you kind of thirsty yeah, <laughs> or yeah. you're watching a movie and they're, they're doing drugs. Like, yeah. you know, it, you get that itch. So, and so are you completely now nothing, absolutely nothing? Completely left. sober for yeah, yeah. The, the last uh, six months. Good on you, man. Um, I, I remember, thank you. Yeah, I remember back in August, 2020, I was, and when I, sorry to kind of detour here, but when I initially started quitting, I was, I was trying to, it, I was lying to myself because I started, instead of drinking beer that smelled like liquor, mm. I would start drinking these um, hard seltzers that uh, don't, when you drink them, your mouth, your breath doesn't smell like alcohol. Okay. So I could be around her and drink them. Um, and she wouldn't know because yeah. I, when smell or, but she could always tell with my eyes. So if I yeah. drank too much, I would only, only drink enough just to like get the, get that, you know, release of 
anxiety that I have because I yeah. suffer from the reason why I drink is because of the anxiety and, and all that. Um, so, but so I remember. In, yeah, yeah, go on, carry on. No, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just going to say on that point of anxiety. So, you know, now, so now what happens when you get anxious? Because obviously, you know, anxiety doesn't just go away. Like you still have anxious situations. Yep. Like how do you manage that? Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So it's not something that will ever go away. It will always be something that that lives with me. Okay. It's I made I made a change. I remember August in August uh, 14th of 2020, I was walking around a track and I was drunk and I was like, you know, what? I'm sick of living like this. I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't live with the guilt. I can't live with being a bad father. I can't be I can't live with being this. I was completely out of shape. I'd gained like 20 pounds. Um, I was smoking cigarettes at the time. So of course that makes you feel unhealthy. And I just texted my friend. He owns a gym in the town I was living with in Vermont, my hometown. I was like, I need to join your gym. Like I need to start working out. Like that was step one. Like that text I sent him along with, you know, the journey of getting help through the mental health industry. But at this point it had just accelerated to be so bad. Um, so I started doing doing fitness twice a week. And this was in, I didn't try to take on too much. And that's, what's important when you're trying to improve, like yeah. people will be like, I'm going to go work out five days a week. I'm going to run twice a week. I'm going to not eat any bad foods. Yeah. I just, I decided I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and work out twice a week at this guy's gym. That That's all I'm going to commit to right now. Yeah. Right. Um, and then so I'm building my tool belt and I talk about this with get stung yeah. is you have a tool belt and you have your foundational tools in the tools that I have right now are fitness. Yeah. I um, have meditation and yoga. Yeah. I do trail running. Okay. So those so, are my, so, so I'm thinking with trail running, just for those who don't know, that's out in the wilderness, right? That's out yeah. in nature, out in the wilderness, out in nature. And then, so, and, and also therapy is a foundational tool for me. Yeah. So these are all tools that I can use yeah. to help battle the anxiety and the depression and the bipolar di uh, illness that I have. Mm. And these weren't built overnight. Mm. You know, um, I started with the fitness twice a week. Yeah. And then I started adding the trail running. And this is where I can kind of explain more about what, how get stung came about. Mm. Um, so I started trail running and I would do this every Friday and trail running in the mountains. Vermont is a very rural area with yeah, a lot of mountains. So it's very, yeah, it's beautiful. It's hard to run in because there's a lot of hills. And I remember I texted a friend. He was living up in the area at the same time. I was like, let's meet every Friday morning at 5, 6 a.m. And we're going to trail run. Mm -hmm. And this is a friend of mine that will do anything with me like if I'm telling him we're going to go hike Mount Everest, like he'll be in my passenger seat car and you need friends like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, who are going to do good things with you. <laughs> and, uh, so we were, so we, we started doing that and I'm out of shape. Like I'm not in good shape at all. And, and just imagine running up hills and through, yeah. through the wilderness. <laughs> and I was just so out of breath, so tired, but I remember I stopped and I was like, Man, this this hurts like this feels like it's getting i'm getting stung mm. but can i swear on this podcast you may <laughs> but, but like 
but like, I fucking love this pain. Like this uncomfortable, <laughs> being this uncomfortable, like I felt so alive in that moment that it was like, I was just getting stung by, by bees. Like, it, and I'm not saying getting stung by a bee is, is, is fun, but yeah. that's what it felt like. And yeah. I felt so alive. Just think about if you get stung by a bee, you feel, you feel alive because every, all your senses are turned on. Um, and I was like, I just, I just want to get stung all the time and get un <laughs> get uncomfortable and feel this pain because it was like like de demons were just leaving me leaving yeah. my body so, um so actually it's interesting because i think like you know when you hear the word get stung you kind of think of it as a as a negative in terms of like you've got stung like something's happened like you might have broken up in your relation you you've got stung you're hurt your pain you know but in your in a way that you have you you turn that round into something more positive yeah it, you you get stung you for the most part when you get stung by something unless it's you know deadly or whatever like you're gonna heal and you're gonna come back stronger each mm. time the more and more you get uncomfortable the the more you can grow as an individual through different challenges and they don't have to just all be running through the woods mm. doing trail running and your tool belt is going to challenge you to get stung almost every day and it can yeah. be mentally or physically so you know obviously the weightlifting i do is more physical mm -hmm. trail running physical but then i have tools such as meditation mm. yoga stretch a stretch stretching i do cold therapy mm. um so taking cold showers mm. just going for a walk or maybe going and doing some breath work yeah. for five ten minutes using the more and more tools you have the more and more you can battle the anxiety and depression yeah. every single day because not every day you're going to go for a trail run not yeah. every day you're going to weight lift so you can use different tools depending yeah. on how you feel that day what you need and and like i said you don't build this tool belt overnight mm -hmm. i started with the fitness i started added trail running adding stretching, adding yoga, meditation, mm. the cold therapy. And it's a rotating belt too. Yeah. You can bring a different tool up to the front and put one of the tools in the back yeah. and you're learning yeah. new tools. So you're adding new tools too. And so also, it's and fun. It's cut. It's customized. And also, yeah, like you ahead. said, I completely agree with you and that. And like, you know, some tools are relevant in certain situations and not in others. And it's, it seems, but it, it seems it's so impressive, like what, how you've managed to achieve that. And I just, if we go back to, let's say when you first admitted on that night, you'd, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. If you had that toolkit the day after that yeah. wait for that therapy appointment would have been much different, right? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, if I look back now at that moment, the tools I had, the only tool I had was I, I was still, I worked in the, in the fitness industry mm. at the time. So I, I, I was working out, you know, two, three times a week. That's all I had. And the only other tools I had were alcohol, yeah. anger, yeah. like nothing positive. Yeah. And, and I had my tool belt. I didn't even have a belt. I just, I just had, I just had, I had nothing, you know? Yeah. So. And, and these things like, okay. Okay other than let's say a gym membership right how much do these things cost right they're free yeah, they're free and, yeah in in people will say i don't have time i don't have time like you 
and I understand people don't have a lot of time, but if you wake up earlier in the morning or yeah. I had a great conversation with a friend and he was saying, I'm not, I'm not a morning person. Like I don't want to get up in the morning. I'm a, mm. I'm an evening person. So I'm like, do those things in the evening. Like yeah. you got to understand, like don't yeah. force yourself to be a morning person. Do when you set yourself up to be successful, yeah. do them when you, when they're good for you and you have the most energy. Yeah. Right. But, 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 but I think the problem is that you've got, you know, frankly, people don't make it their priority. If they're yeah. coming up with excuses and they're like, oh, I haven't got enough time. It's like, okay. Like the choice is, you know, if you want to feel better, it's going to be hard work and you've yeah. got to prioritize whatever you're doing, whatever that goal is, it has to be your priority because, and like, you know, when you make it your priority, getting up at 6am to do a trail run doesn't become a chore anymore. It becomes right. something you actually really want to do. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and I'm in, I'm lucky I have the environment. I started having the environment around me, my friend who would show up every Friday yeah. morning. And that really helps, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and my wife, like we were separated, but she knew I had to improve. Mm -hmm. So she gave me that space to yeah. like figure out what I needed to do yeah. to get better. Um, and, 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 and in terms of that, your, your relationship now is, have you, I assume you've had to work on, you know, your relationship, you, 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 you know, you're now, you know, like you say, you're now a father, you've gone through a period of, of, of difficulty within that relationship. And I assume, like you said, you want to be a better, you know, a better partner, better husband. Yeah. I mean, we're in, we're both, we're in marriage counseling. So we've been in marriage counseling for probably about two months, which has helped greatly. Brilliant. And, you know, just with me going to a therapist as well, yeah. uh, weekly, um, in yeah. talking, I, I recently switched my, my therapist, uh, over the, in the last two months. Mm. Um, my original therapist was great. She got me to where I was, but she couldn't take me. I kind of grew out of her. Yeah. So I, I found a new one who was really helping me kind of take that next step. And I yeah. started this podcast and she really talks me through a lot of yeah. things. And yeah, I mean, you just got to surround yourself with the, with the right people and, and you get just caught, caught up in, in the wrong things. And, um, but yeah, I mean, our, our relationship has been improving and we got a lot of work to do. It's, yeah, it, yeah. it will never stop working. Like relationships are, <laughs> whether it's your wife, whether it's your coworker, whether it's your son, whatever you, you relationships are one of the hardest things in everyday life. Um, and, and if you want to make it work, you've got to make it a priority. Like you, you can't just be with someone either married, unmarried, but if you're in a long-term commitment with someone, it doesn't just stop. You know, it's not like it's a contract where you just exist. Like you're changing all the time and, you know, your relationship goes under, you know, strain points. I mean, God, you know, in a pandemic with kids, kids, kids push you to the limit. Oh yeah, for and, sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and you just, you know, like if you want to grow and you want to continue and you don't want to end up, you know, being divorced then you're gonna have to work at it um yeah. and i think it's you know you've got to make it your priority yeah yeah kids consume your time and they take away from your relationship and it's so important to be able to find time for your yeah. for your partner and just yourself too i mean it, yeah. you know to to grow and be better for them like they consume so much of your energy yeah you know, you know it, it's it's hard um but I, th I think i think like you know your your mental health toolkit is exercise focused that has got to help with the energy levels that you need to kind of give to your kids right 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I I would say anyone who's starting out on a mental health journey and trying to improve, like fitness, should definitely be a tool. And it's not doesn't have to be going to the gym five days a week. Mm. Fitness can be going for a walk. Yeah, fitness yeah. can be, you know, just maybe lifting weights two times a week for thirty minutes. Whatever it is, like yeah. you, it's this tool belt is customized. Yeah. So yeah. it's not a one size fits all. And in in Instagram and social media makes fitness look so hard, yeah. but it's not, you know, it, it's overwhelming. Like walking yeah. into a gym, you see all these fit people. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that, you know? Mm. Um, and and just, I think like you said, on the trail running perspective, there's something about going outside and out into the kind of, into the, into the forest, onto the, you know, for, for, for us living in London, onto the commons, onto the parks, being outside in nature and taking a walk. Yeah it does wonders and yeah it really you know you you don't have to step into a gym you know if you don't like a gym that's absolutely fine but yeah. i think you know justin what you're saying is like you know you know actually there's a real benefit of having some form of active lifestyle even if it is just just walking but getting outside and walking is a great start to your to, to your mental health talk it's a great habit to be in yeah and i, I think just over the summer the one main relationship I really worked on outside of my wife and my, my, my children was my relationship with earth mm. and just being connected to it. And how much, like if you go out trail running, you're going to appreciate yeah. earth and the, the inclines and the, and the, and those trails are hard. You're gonna be like, wow, earth is kicking my ass every <laughs> time I come out here, you know? So you start respecting it. Yeah. You, it humbles you. Yeah. And you just become so appreciative of the earth. Um, yeah. And, and something that we take for granted, it's a free resource. And yeah. I know there are in many countries where we exploit that free resource, but you, you, you can exploit it in a negative way. You can exploit it in a positive way. If you, like you said, if you respect nature and you respect and you're, and you're in awe of it as well, like you said, I'm sure around you, are there some hills, there's even some mountains, the scale of these, of these, of these natural phenomena are immense and it can really be very humbling just you know you know sitting you know being on top of a cliff or being at the bottom of a mountain just realizing that we are very very small and yeah. we can only you know you know and in that is really you know it's really empowering we can own we have to accept that we are small we can accept yeah. that we can't control everything and we can frankly prioritize what we want to achieve and only do our best and if you and if you get to the end of every day where you've done that personally i think that's a really good start you know start start to the day start to the week and start to much more positive mental health yeah and, and it's it's so great too i, I take my kids out into the mm. into the wilderness wilderness now and it, it's a great way for me to connect with them and yeah. um it's almost like earth is almost like a therapist between me and my my kids you yeah. know they're bringing us uh you know back together um to be more close and yeah. um so yeah i can't yeah, I'm so appreciative of of the of Earth and um, the suffering it has put me through, and all this running, and um, yeah, I love it. And and it's led you to that positive place. I mean, Justin, thank you so much for your for your time today. It's been fascinating to talk through, like the, you know, the first 34 years and the context in which your mental health struggles kind of really emerged, and then, frankly, a really short, intense period where you've yeah. you have you 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 have recovered in a way that now, like you said, you're six months sober. Um, you are in a much better place in your relationship. Um, 
in terms of your relationship with other things, in terms of outside exercise, it sounds like you're in a really positive, positive place. And, 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 and you are documenting uh, this, you know, the, on your journey on your Get Stung podcast and really living that mantra of, of getting stung in a really positive way. So honestly, thank you so much for your time on this. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on and allowing me to, um, you know, talk about this. Every time I talk about this, I, I feel better and, and I'm moving in the right direction. So, um, well, it it certainly sounds like you are so (laughs) amazing work. Yeah. Um, Justin, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. And thank you to everyone listening. You can subscribe to us on most major podcast platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just search for Sidekick Community or Sidekick Stories and we'll pop up. And please do give us a rating if you like the show. And if you like some of the things that Justin were talking about, check out our free Psychic app for iPhone and iPad. It's a collection of interactive exercises, tools and tips to help you boost your mental well-being. The app, the app enables you to build a personalised well-being toolkit to help you deal with life's ups and downs. Just to go, just go to our website, www.sidekick.org.uk and click the download now button in the header to take you to the app store. Justin, thank you so much again. Mm-hmm.